Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. An international divorce is where you have competing jurisdictions, cross-border issues, and perhaps application of more than one law. But I think that a lot of practitioners fail to recognize that an international case is one where you find international cultures. Welcome to the Divorce Roadmap series, comprised of 24 episodes designed to be your guide through each leg of the practical divorce journey. Be powerfully prepared as top experts in the field advise you on each logistical stage from the agonizing question of should I stay or should I go through the complex legal, financial, and parenting choices before you to your future plans for housing, budgeting, and co-parenting post-divorce. Today is such an interesting topic. It's uh, it's the concept of international divorce and the impact it has has a whole different set of uh, unique set of complexities. We're going to be exploring the concerns and difficulties inherent in international divorces today. Uh, We discuss uh, what defines an international divorce, the unique issues that arise in these cases, and how you, the listeners, can choose a matrimonial attorney capable of handling your unique circumstances. I'm really excited today to have Nicole Centracchio and Brian Reed with us today. They're partners in Reed and Centracchio Associates, which is located in Chicago, and they specialize in international divorce. And they have a vast array of valuable information to share with us today. Brian's been practicing since 1992, and he also specializes in complex divorce and paternity cases. And Nicole has been licensed since 2000, and she handles complex financial cases and disputes involving children. So grab your pen, because we're going to be sharing a lot of really valuable information, and you're going to want to take notes as we dive into the unique and often complex world of international divorce. Welcome, Nicole and Brian. Hi, Karen. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Hi, Good. Karen. Great. It's a pleasure Hi, to be. It's a pleasure to be with you and and um, and Steve as well. Yeah. Thanks so much. Uh, I would. I want to jump right in, but before we get into the nitty gritty of international divorce, can you share how you um, and your firm found yourself specializing in this area? 
Well, Karen, um, when Brian and I first uh, got together and formed our firm, we found that we had a an interest in common and a passion for traveling and learning about other cultures and just getting outside of our box uh, of Chicago, Illinois, and exploring what else is out there in the world. Um, we've always had an office that is multicultural. We have um, staff that has spoken many languages over the years. We have Spanish, we've had Arabic, we've had Polish, Bulgarian, and Brian speaks French fluently. We also have connections in the Italian community. So I think just over the years, we've been able to develop, uh, take our passion and develop it into a facet of our business. Excellent. And, and I would imagine with a real sensitivity with such a um, melting pot of staff in your firm. Correct. Right. I mean, we like I said, we have had employees that have all different kinds of backgrounds, which we welcome uh, in our office. And, and we, we learn a lot from that. I think when you have a diverse staff, these kind of cases tend to seek you out as well. Well, that makes sense. And when when you um, let, let's just start at the beginning here. Like, how would you guys define an international divorce? Who falls into that category? Well, I think, Karen, in its strictest sense, an international divorce is where you have competing jurisdictions, cross border issues and perhaps application of more than one law. But I think that a lot of practitioners fail to recognize that an international case is one where you find international cultures. So the whole concept of bicultural plays a really big role in this, I'm assuming. Well, I think it does, actually. You can have basically Americans uh, living in a foreign country or foreigners living in the U.S., and uh, even if you have one person who's American and the other person who's not American, that can actually bring into series a, a, a number of cultural dynamics, which then give you a bicultural case and can lead to a number of different international issues. So before we get into the cultural issues, which I think can get so complex, if we're looking at um, international divorce, if there are two Americans who um, are living together abroad, if there is a, a couple that come from different cultural backgrounds, different countries, uh, and are either living in the States or living someplace where they each come from a different country. Are those the key categories that we're talking about or am I missing something? No, I don't think you're missing anything at all. Basically, if you have people who are um, one person's American and the other person is not American living here in the U.S., for example, that gives that person who's not an American somewhat of a disadvantage they don't understand perhaps the, some of the ways the laws work, some of the ways that the cultures work, and it creates a, a set of dynamics that puts stress on the marriage itself. So, and before we jump into that, um, I'm, I'm just curious as I'm thinking about, you know, location and uh, families falling apart, 
uh, where does uh, what does military fall into all of this? Well, sometimes you'll have a military family who you know might be from the United States who gets stationed across you know in, in it could be anywhere, it could be in Russia, it could be in Saudi Arabia, where they are set up and their family bases somewhere else but the United States, and that brings in a whole other set of issues to look at because not only are we looking at you know the laws of the country that they're living in the military also has certain regulations that um, you know are specific to them and 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 they have their own rules when it comes to divorce and custody and financial matters so you know the first thing that anybody should be looking into when looking to either live outside of the United States or bring in somebody you know from another country to live with them in the United States is just being informed and doing some research. What what country are we talking about? Where where are we going to live? Where is my potential spouse from? And get familiar with um, the laws and the regulations that you are you know you may have to deal with at some future time because you need to have that information going forward in order to make educated decisions about your future, your spouse's future, and possibly your children's future. Yeah, and you know what's so interesting about that when you're falling in love and you're all excited about your future, you're not really thinking about checking out the um, the laws and rules and regulation around divorce and custody, are you? Oh, right. No, it's not a romantic thing, but you know, sometimes sometimes you have to take, put let the romance and the heart take a backseat for a minute. And you know, there's nothing wrong with being informed. It's not you know saying that your marriage is going to fail or there's something wrong with the other person. It's just you know the more information you have, the better your relationship with will be because you're not going into it with this, uh, you know, non-information or, or blindly per se. So you know, it, makes, I, it makes it better. Yeah. And I think that makes so much sense. And even, you know, when I talk to people about prenups and the concept behind them and just really doing your due diligence. And when we're high on love, um, it's it's easy to just say that's just never going to be me. And yet the percentage of divorce really across the globe is so high that it would make a lot of sense. We're actually seeing more and more of that, I think, as 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 time goes on with people, actually students who are studying abroad more. We're also seeing people who are traveling abroad for work, for pleasure, people finding love online. It actually lends itself to to this type of a situation occurring much more frequently than we've ever seen before. So the issues that we're talking about, I think, are just are, are of super importance and timeliness. Right. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So before we get into um into the legal aspect of it. And you were talking about jurisdiction, and I know that that's one of the two really big things that you want to talk to our listeners about. Can we go back to the bicultural and sure. just sure. because the, the reason I want to start here is, as, as my listeners know, we're always talking about um, the the emotional challenges and how to keep your head above water and stay clear uh, so that you can communicate well. And so in divorce, in, in a standard divorce, there's just so many complexities and so much opportunity for 
stress and tension and conflict. And my sense is with bicultural families, that only goes up. And so I would love for you to just acknowledge our listeners and kind of talk about some of the things that they may be facing that they even want to bring their conscious attention to as they consider um the uh, possibility of divorce. Sure. Well, I think, you know, when you're talking about this bicultural marriage and you have two individuals who come from different backgrounds, you know, one of the things that we always stress is having a sensitivity to the other person's culture. So I think that's very important, whether you're, you know, even from the same place or you have somebody that's coming over to live with you, um, knowing that background and knowing about their belief system and their values and their family, like you said, um, before beforehand and being familiar with that, that can cut down on some of the tension and the stress in the relationship because for example, if you have one party who's Christian who, who wants to marry somebody who's Muslim, you know, there can be a whole host of issues if they do not agree upon religion, they do not agree upon certain, you know, basic tenets. Um, the, the sensitivity to what you're getting what family and what life you're going to be getting into is important when you're talking about marriage. And then also, you know, there's also the discussion about how to raise your children. How are we going to do this together? And I think those are all very important points for couples to discuss to hopefully reduce some of the tension and the stress before they get in the marriage that, you know, hopefully they can work through so they don't have to, you know, be surprised by all this later and have, have a divorce impending on them. I also think, Karen, that you get into a certain set of expectations of the legal system and fears about a legal system. You know, each country has laws that are really an outgrowth of their own culture. And that lends itself to having a certain set of expectations under the umbrella of what we might consider fairness. And so you take somebody who's from another country here in the United States, if they have to go through a divorce um, they, they're going to naturally have a number of concerns about the expense of the case, the length of time of the case, and also about what results they're going to get. All of those things are very important, and they vary from one country to the next. Even the, even the way we conduct discovery here in the U.S. is different than they might do it ab abroad. The way we do cross-examination, we see that on television all the time, but for Europeans, it's a very brutal way of conducting a case and it terrifies them. And they're very, you know, and, and that's understandable. I think we need to be very sensitive to that because culturally speaking, it's just not what they're accustomed to. You know, you, you each spoke about sensitivity and I think, and I was listening, Nicole, you used the word um, knowing, right? So knowing right. what the other person's priorities and their beliefs are. And I think that to take it even a step further, if you're listening, uh, it's easy to judge. And especially when you're hurt and you're angry and you can judge the other person's beliefs or their child raising approach as, as, as bad. And I think that what's so important is 
to um, be curious and to understand and to find agreement. And one of the things that you have to do to find agreement is you have to accept that that person is different and not only in all the ways that you fell in love with, but other ways that show up when the marriage is falling apart. And so to, to watch your judgment, keep it to a minimum, try and step into some acceptance of the fact that you're different and look for compromise is a huge piece of it uh, in this. Would you guys agree to that? Oh, yeah, that's correct. And again, um, you know, one of the things to consider, too, is one person's what they find to be important might be different than what you find to be important and not that one person is right or wrong, but based on your upbringing and your culture, that's, that's just the way it is. And, you know, there's, there are ways where you can discuss this or there are ways to come to a common ground. But again, it's the understanding of what is important to the person that you're with. And I was interviewing a psychologist a couple of uh, weeks back, and one of the things that he said that I really appreciated was, you know, whenever you're sitting down and you're talking about these things, to listen for where there's agreement and build upon it, whereas most divorcing couples listen for where there's disagreement and fight over it. Um, And so with kids, obviously, the common ground is that we love them and we want them to be healthy and, and to always start from that place of agreement. So... Um, so, so when we talk about culture, you, as you said, there's there's um, there's cultural differences. There's differences in perhaps religious beliefs, perhaps how you raise your children, um, schooling, and other value systems. That's a lot compared to like a domestic divorce. So, what what would your um, what would your guidance or your tips for our listeners be just around that, around that bicultural difference? Well, I think taking it biculturally, as we said, adds another element to, you know, a complex situation, especially if your marriage at some point is on on the rocks. Um, But I think, like we said, the the most important thing is communication, Um, you know, coming to some common ground, like you said, sitting down early on in the relationship and seeing what agreements that you can come up with. Like, for example, you mentioned you want to do what's best for the children and make sure that they're loved and happy. You know, one of those, one of the things you can agree on is that they will attend the best school that we are able to send them to within our means in our neighborhood. That's a common ground. So you can build from that depending on what you financially can do, but with your separate belief systems, you can come up with a solution uh, to solve that problem. But it's just, you know, the more information, the more discussion and the more knowledge you have about the other person and their background is going to be helpful um, in those kinds of situations to diffuse stress and conflict. You know, building on what Nicole is is saying, I think that there's also a part where you have to say, Okay, so if you're an American, for for instance, and you're you're married to someone from another country, um, your children are half of whatever that person might be, and your children need to be in touch with that culture as well. And what does that mean for them? Does it actually mean that they actually spend perhaps summers abroad um, in that particular country whenever um, your spouse, uh, for example, wants to uh, visit family um, in 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 the uh, his or her respective state? Uh, country, what does that um, 
What does that exactly mean for your children? Do they go and they spend the summer there or do they go frequently, maybe a few times a year, perhaps? Um, I think you have to be aware of of that part of the relationship when you think about what Nicole talks about, uh, the best interest of the children. And that's what the court looks at uh, in all these cases. Yeah, I think that's such an important point to just really respect that the children are um, are bicultural and they and that that the best thing that you could do is have them be raised with a, a, a nice understanding of both cultures. So you talked um, when we were speaking last about setting goals and keeping them realistic. So, again, we're still in the early stages. You know that you're going to get divorced. Uh, there's a lot of things to decide. What does that look like uh, to to set goals and keep them realistic? Well, I think the first thing uh, to look into is if if you really are at that point where the relationship is getting rocky, where things are not going as you planned, the actions of the other person are starting to say this relationship isn't going to be moving forward much longer. I think it, what the first thing that you need to do is, depending on whether you're living in the States or if you're living outside of the States, look at the laws of the different countries that you are dealing with. For example, if you're in the United States and your spouse is from Spain, you know, take a look at what the laws are out there. For example, for jurisdiction, how long does somebody have to live in Spain before they can file for divorce? Um, and what the differences are between the two uh, countries that we're dealing with. An awareness of of your relationship and, and how it's moving forward is very key because then that will help you make a decision on how to proceed or and in what manner and what state to proceed in. You know, they say that the beginning of every journey should have the end in sight. And um, I think that one of the things that both Nicole and I do is sit down with our clients and talk about what a win looks like. So if, you're, if you want to keep goals realistic, let's talk about first, what does the client want? And what is, um, what's realistic in that? Um, let's do a cost benefit analysis of what it takes to actually get there and decide which hills are worth dying on. Because we have to tell our clients on a regular basis, and we hope the listeners as well will understand that there are certain things you take a stand for and other things that you just don't. And when you get your team together, and Nicole's talking about also looking at laws from other countries. Um, one of the things that, that hopefully we'll be able to talk about today is actually getting a team in place abroad if you need that when you're evaluating jurisdiction, things like that. Um, maybe we can talk about that a little bit later. But, but you want to talk to your team and listen to your team as a client. And, and, the, and the lawyers want to listen to their clients to learn what objectives they have, what they're looking to accomplish, and then talk about what are you pretty much certain to have? What are you likely to win? And then what's unrealistic? And sometimes telling your client what is realistic might not be what the client wants to hear, but as 
a team and as good legal professionals, our job is to give you the most realistic advice and the advice um, that you should be following to help you achieve what you want. It might not be exactly what you're thinking or exactly what you're looking for, but our, you know, our job is to help our clients get to the place that they would like to be or as close to where they would like to be without, um, you know, tons of court time or spending a lot of attorney fees. But that's that's one of the things that, you know, an attorney client relationship, you should be able to discuss that and come up with a plan. You've been listening to our podcast, Getting Educated, Regulating Your Emotional Reactions, and it's been really helpful. Yet you know you could do better, be better, and you're wanting and needing more support. That's where our coaching service is a game changer. We're here for you when you need us the most, ensuring you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips, guiding and supporting you to be more effective. Our free rapid relief call helps you gain a broader perspective, commit to your best next steps, and determine what coaching support is right for you. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call today. I love the fact that you guys are talking about a team. And what's so interesting is when when we get involved as divorce coaches, a lot of times uh, if somebody's uh, heels are dug in with custody, for instance, um, you know, they, there's a whole story. Oh, my attorney just, you know, wants to run up my fees. My attorney doesn't have my best interest in mind or um, they just can't talk it through with you, whereas we end up uh, really digging down and, you know, what's your resistance and what's your fear and how true is that and what's another option and how can you come to a more flexible alternative. And in doing that work, that very strategic work with us, they're able to show up then at the table with you being um, clear, know, knowing what their boundaries, what their non-negotiables are often being much more flexible with what they are negotiable with, but also just clear and and having sorted out the difference between the facts and the fears. Um, so we always suggest, uh, besides an attorney, to work with a divorce coach and also a financial person. Mm-hmm. So on a domestic level, like that's the team we recommend to have a, a financial professional, uh, a, a good attorney and a divorce coach. What, are there other members of a team for an international divorce that you want to speak to? Yeah, I, I would actually uh, totally agree with you, Karen. I think that you're totally right that um, – the team is is critical, extending to financial advisors and devo- divorce coaches, and that's not different on an international level. However, um, there is another component that I think people sometimes overlook, and sometimes American attorneys are a bit reluctant to include, and that is a an attorney abroad. So if you have different issues um, that touch and concern more than one country, um, you really need to have a network in place so that you can pick up the phone and actually uh, 
call somebody, a colleague in a different country. For example, uh, we have that in, in with France. Uh, so if, if we have an issue, and again, it's, it's, it's one of the advantages of speaking a foreign language as an attorney. If we have an issue in France, and we want to know about a particular uh, way that France might might treat our client situation or perhaps a property that needs to be uh, appraised or what have you in, in a foreign country. We pick up the phone and we call our French colleague. We work informally with a uh, uh, a firm in uh, Lyon, France, and we pick up the phone and we call. And so we have that rapport and you can actually have a team that actually includes more than just what you can see and feel here in the U.S. And I think that's a critical thing, and it's a great thing to be able to offer clients. I, I think more attorneys should be doing that and establishing those networks. Right, and I think, you know, when you're dealing with an international divorce and you have those issues and and you're getting to the point of, you know, looking at filing for divorce, it's I think it's important for the client to try to find a firm that has at least some kind of connection like that or would be able to deal um, with, with these international issues. It's just part of researching your team. And just like you said, having the proper team in place will make things much, you know, take a little bit of the stress off, make things a little smoother for the clients and you know just a, a little bit of research can make such a big difference with hiring your team yeah and I I, I would love to dive into that a little bit deeper right now I think that oftentimes I hear clients say you know I hired my attorney because my cousin Sally said he or she was good right and uh, you know and on a domestic level they could be hiring attorneys that you know aren't schooled specifically or specializing in family law and of course we know what kinds of problems can come of that where they don't they don't know the players or the judges or the process nearly as well I would love for you to speak a little bit to our listeners about some of the things that they want to keep in mind, even some questions that they want to ask when searching for an attorney. And, and then I'd like to talk about that attorney abroad again after that. But just even wherever they are, they have to find an attorney. They're, they're dealing with an international divorce. What are some of the guidelines you would give them for making sure that they make a good decision? Well, I want to see what kind of commitment that attorney actually made to the international community. Do they show up at cultural events? Does their, does their firm actually sponsor different things that are of interest to, to the client? Um, how visible are they? I think that it says a lot when you look at an attorney and to see how involved they are in that community. Is the attorney well-traveled? Does the attorney speak a foreign language? When you sit down with the attorney to talk to that attorney, um, hopefully they came recommended by somebody in the community, whether it's the consulate or, or whoever. But what does that attorney ask in terms of questions? Does the attorney actually ask you questions about your culture not in the prying sense, but rather to understand what things might be important to you and how to basically go about getting that win for you in your case. Because a lot of people can just be oblivious or or just just be indifferent, which is which is just as bad uh, to, to those cultural nuances that mean all the world to the client. 
So, you know, in general, of course, it's so important that you that you hire an attorney who is communicative, who listens well, who answers your questions in a way that you can receive them, who you feel comfortable with. And what I'm hearing is on this international level, there's this whole other layer of if they're international, what did there's there's the talk and there's the walk. Are they walking that walk? Is that what you see in their practice? Right. I think, you know, you can look towards the community that you're, uh, you know, looking to, to be involved with and see if, you know, if they're sponsoring these events, if they're involved in different activities. And also another resource uh, for clients seeking uh, a recommendation for an international attorney is, for example, here in Chicago, we have consulate offices. Most consulates have a list of attorneys who they recommend for issues res- involving people or issues with their respective countries. So, for example, if you have a you know, spouse from China and you have some issues with uh, property in China or you're concerned about you know, your spouse going off to China with the children, you can go to the consulate of China here in Chicago, and they will give you a list of attorneys that they have worked with and that have been recommended um, by other people in the community who are who are conversant with those issues. And if they're if they're on the list at the consulate, it's you know pretty certain that they um, are recommended by people in that community. That's so great. I think that if if I were listening and didn't know where to turn, that's just such an a valuable piece of advice right there. And I'm curious, you were talking just a minute ago about how um, they, you may also want to connect with an attorney in the other country. Is that something that people could find through the consulate? Are there other ways to do that? Should they be relying on their local attorney to be able to help them with that? What do you, what do you advise? I think it's actually great if you're, first of all, you would hope that your attorney um, already has some contact in that country or knows of someone who does. And that's, that's fine too. As long as you actually have that person that you can tap and say, Hey, um, I know you practice, for example, in, in Italy, but you might not do family law. Can you connect me to, to a good colleague that can do that? I think that that's, that's important to be able to, um, to kind of go that, that route. But if, if your attorney is is not actually, um, I guess, astute enough to do that. Uh, it would, perhaps doesn't see the necessity. It doesn't hurt to actually place a call yourself and find somebody in that foreign country just to run issues past them. And um, that typically will occur oftentimes before the case is filed. Maybe you're you're talking to your attorney, you're trying to plan a, a strategy. Um, it could happen in the middle of a case if there's something that comes up, perhaps as we used the example earlier about real estate or something in that country. But um, there are different things in different times that it would behoove the client to actually just pick up the phone and and call somebody yourself in that country and run those issues past that person and, and see what they think. It, and it, 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 there can be no harm to come from that. So that's great. So you have a couple of different resources, hopefully from your attorney, you can go to the local consulate. So let's say, um, and you guys gave some really good guidelines for the kinds of questions to ask when you're reaching out to speak to an Mm -hmm. attorney. Uh, You know, one of the things that I want to get to and spend some time on is 
you mentioned that there are two vital decisions, like really vital decisions that are so specific to international divorce that that people going through this need to decide on. And one was jurisdiction and one was timing. And I know that they're interwoven. So I'm going to kind of just ask you to start where it makes the most sense to start. And really, let's spend a little time sharing um, the importance of this with our listeners. Sure. Well, as we spoke before, timing when you're dealing with international cases is probably one of the most important things to consider um, either, you know, when you begin your marriage or when you realize that something might not be right with your marriage. For example, let's say you you meet somebody who lives in France. You, you meet a woman who lives in France. You're in the United States for work reasons. She comes over from France. You set up in Chicago and you're living you're living as a married couple in Chicago. You have a couple kids. Um you know, you're looking at everything seems to be going well. You think everything's going well, but then all of a sudden your wife starts dropping these hints that she wants to go back to France for the summer. Now, maybe your relationship has been a little on the rocks for a couple months and things aren't quite right. Why is she going back to France uh, for vacation all of a sudden during the summer? She's never done that before. One of the things that we were talking about education and timing is now Mr. who is working in Chicago has a problem or a potential liability with his wife going back to France for the summer with the children. Because in custody cases, for example, one person can file in either country. They could either file for divorce in the United States or they could file for divorce in another country, This, in particular this country, France. Um, and what they need is a residency timing. They need to be residing in the country for a certain amount of time before they can file for divorce. So if the, the mom goes back to France with the children and the residency requirement there is two months, and, you know, she's out there for a month and a half and she doesn't really have any plans to come back. That's something to know and be aware about, because if she stays the requisite amount of time in her home country with the children and files an action, the person who stayed behind in the United States is behind the eight ball at this point because they're going to have to defend themselves in in a custody and, and divorce action in France. So that's why we're talking about research and timing and being aware of the laws of the other country, because these all are interwoven and they play together. So you definitely want to make sure that you don't find yourself in that sort of a situation. I think one of the things that Nicole is really driving at here in, in, in that description is that um, we often find ourselves in a race to the courthouse sometimes. And you, you know, Karen, you talked about the the interwoven nature of of the jurisdiction with the timing, because um, sometimes there are just two options. You can file in two different countries. And so you want to make sure that you're on top of what's going on with your spouse so that you're not caught off guard, unprepared. And suddenly you're battling a divorce case filed in another country. Um, and the first to file carries a great deal of importance. And there are so many nuances, which would be a whole other topic for another day on that on that point. But it, you get into a race to the courthouse and you just have to be aware about the timing and be aware of the jurisdiction. 
You know, as the two of you are talking, I'm just like my heart is going out to these people because I, I did a show in the beginning of this series called Should I Stay or Should I Go? And we just talked about what a huge decision it is and how overwhelming it is. And the feeling if you're the one making it, that you're destroying your family, that you're hurting your children, all the fears that come up, all, all of this that comes up. And if it's a domestic case, you're not under the gun so much. It's like, you know, and correct me if you disagree, but who files isn't all that important. But in international divorce, it sounds like it's um, it's so big and so important. And yet you have to make that decision when you may not be very sure. Right. I mean, it's definitely not, you know, in, in a normal divorce case, whether you're the petitioner or the respondent, if you file first or you don't, that doesn't really mean much in the terms of, you know, the other person was bad. I filed first or I'm the wrong person because I filed first. But yes, in a scenario like this, it plays so much into the final outcome of the case, because if the person rem who remains, let's say, in the United States files before that, let's say, two month residency period, Period, runs in the other country, even though they might not want to do that, it's their only option to pr pursue this this case on their home turf and not have to defend it, you know, in another country. So you might be guessing that your spouse may or may not be doing something, but it's the only thing that you can do to protect yourself and your children. It's kind of a weird preemptive thing, but sometimes it just really is necessary to take that first step because the risk of not doing it is just too great. Yeah, no, I hear you. And and it's just I'm just really uh, <laughs> feeling so much, you know, empathy and compassion for people who aren't ready to make the decision yet because the stakes are so high. They kind of need to throw their hat in the ring and say, OK, I'm, I'm going to do this. And if they don't, I mean, the description of, of fighting for custody and and being in a foreign court with their rules. And I mean, I can, it's like that's a nightmare, too. And this it's sounds even, like the lesser of two evils. It's even worse than that. And that your children could be across the ocean. And what kind of involvement are you going to have in their lives? You're not going to be at the extracurricular activities. You're not going to see them on a regular basis. Um, it's it's the stakes are huge in this. They just cannot be overstated. The importance of trying to figure out what is my spouse trying to do? Might my children wind up overseas? And what do I need to do to prevent that? You know, I, I can't help but ask this question, and I, I definitely want to stay on jurisdiction. But but what as you're describing it, even if you file first, you don't file first. How do you create? Can you describe for us uh, an example of an international case that you've done where you really could celebrate a win win at the end? Yeah, actually, um, a case we're involved in right now that is just. Uh, the custody component is wrapping up. Um, our client lives in the United Arab Emirates, which is a non-Hague country. Perhaps we could talk about that in a minute. But we're actually working out an arrangement where we have a custody judgment that we're entering here in the state of Illinois. And we're doing essentially the mirror, the exact type of custody judgment 
in the UAE to provide protection for everyone. So in that particular case where the one parent was afraid that if the children went to a non-Hay country, they might not come back, um, we're able to actually have a win-win with a negotiated parenting agreement or custody judgment, as some states call it, that gets entered in both venues. And then everybody's happy. And everybody's protected because if something were to go awry over overseas, there is an enforceable court order by that country um, that the parent who isn't, you know, not there with them, that 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 parent can enforce to ensure that, both, you know, the other parent is following what the agreement was. It sounds like um, there was a spirit of cooperation in a situation like that. Yes, and there really can be. And that's where you have sometimes this, 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 you know, there's first there's a fear, right? Are my children going to go to this country and not come back? And fortunately, the uh, the other attorney on this case was very reasonable. And we were able to take the emotion out of that part of it, which is what we should do as attorneys. And you want to find your listeners want to find attorneys that focus on doing that. And then we were able to sit down, talk about possible solutions. Okay, tell me what your client's afraid of. How do we solve that problem? And yet at the same time, take care of solving our client's problem. Because our client has concerns as well. Both sides actually in cases have legitimate concerns most of the time. Being creative, looking for that solution, that common ground if you're if you're really creative and you work with a good team, you actually very, very frequently can find common ground and solutions that often will work for everyone, at least to some measure. It's not it's not that any, everybody gets what they want. Uh, that would be a, you know, an unrealistic expectation most of the time. But working together, you can come up with good solutions if you're if you're willing to, to explore them and be open minded. And this also comes back to a little bit of what you said earlier, Karen, when you have two parents, although from different backgrounds, if they can sit down and agree on a common tenant that they want to do what's in the best interest of their child, you can come up with some creative solutions. Obviously, in a case such as this, it would be in the best interest of the child to visit with both parents liberally, frequently, but not put this child in a situation where this child has to be the the middle in the middle of a back and forth between countries and and is this child going to be you know hidden in another country from the other parent is this child not going to have contact with the other parent if you have two people who can sit down and and realize okay we're different our marriage didn't work we may not really like each other but we have a child to parent together and despite our different beliefs and what our fears are we want our child to be raised and 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 come out on the other side of this healthy, you can come up with some creative solutions like that, but you have to be willing to get past, like you said, the fears and the differences to achieve this. Of course, your friends and loved ones deeply care about you. But if you're honest, while they mean well, when it comes to your divorce, they just don't get it. 
And sometimes you leave those conversations feeling even more isolated. If you're lonely and craving connection and support, check out our high conflict divorce support group. We're an intimate group of 12 people gather from the comfort of their homes to hear, see, and encourage each other while our JBD team of coaches provide emotional support and practical guidance. There's no reason to take this journey alone. If you've been yearning for support, go to journeybeyonddivorce.com backslash HCDSG and register today. especially with the complexity of international divorces, you want to have your head emotionally well above water so that you can be effective in advocating for yourself. Absolutely. And, And also in communicating with your attorneys. Absolutely. Yeah. And you'll save. I always say attorneys are not inexpensive. And the more work you do on yourself and the more emotionally grounded you are, the less you're going to spend in calling your attorney on things that isn't really um, their place to even help with, like the emotional stuff. Correct. Right. Absolutely. And that's our job is to tell you, you know, here here are your expectations. Here's what we can do within the law. We all understand, trust me, uh, the emotional stress that that comes with a divorce and, and the fear of your child going to another country or not being with you all the time. We, we understand the emotional stress that it puts on a person. So that's why, Karen, we agree that having this team in place, that's not just an attorney to get you through this traumatic time in your life is so important. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to jump on this before I forget. You mentioned Hague countries. Can you explain what that is to our listeners and why it's so important? Sure. There are 98 countries um, that have signed on to the Hague convention, um, which is all about preventing child abductions. So basically just to, and I'm just going to try to keep it simple. Um, if you basically have a, 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 um, child living in one particular country and, and uh, we could use the example, the United States, cause it's something most of our listeners could relate to. And then they go abroad. If they go to someplace like Spain, France, Italy, and, you know, any place in Western Europe, um, if, if, if the parent takes them and abducts them and takes them to one of these countries and then doesn't wish to return them, there is a process uh, that's very expedient to go through to get the child returned. And the countries each have agreed to cooperate with one another in recognizing the wrongdoing. So that's a it's a great level of, of comfort. It can still be an expensive process and can be very arduous and scary in and of itself. But at least if your child ends up going with one parent to a a Hague country and that parent says, well, I'm not going to return them. You do have a means to force the return of the child. Now, you can only imagine then that there are inherent problems where countries are not members or they haven't ratified the Hague Convention. And so that actually becomes a very scary scenario. So if someone, let's say an American, marries uh, a person 
from a non-Hague state, and that parent wants to take the children abroad, um, then the parent who is here has to wonder, what if they change their mind? Or what if they have ill motives and they actually don't bring their children back? What recourse do I have? And with a lot of countries, um, there are a lot of countries in Africa as well as the Middle East that have, that have not ratified the Hague Convention. Um, you're pretty much out of luck. Uh, it's very, very difficult uh, to, to get the, the children returned. And so not only does the parent have to grapple with that, but oftentimes the court has to grapple with it. So if, if one parent says, hey, I want to take my children back to uh, X non-Hague country, the judge has to decide, what do I do about this? How do I protect the children, which is really the court's responsibility? It becomes a very, very complicated situation. Right, and that's again going back to the research and investigation, and just doing your due due diligence on these issues. When you're um, thinking about a relationship and having children with somebody from another country, you know what country are we talking about? What are the rules regarding? What are their laws regarding uh, custody? What are they a part of the Hague Convention? These are all things you know to know before going into this relationship and discussing these things. You know, prior to having children, it, it, it takes takes that whole conversation, you know, that two people that are in the States and have the same belief systems, that takes it to a whole different level because, you know, there are so many other things to discuss when you're making that decision to have kids together. Well, you've shared so much. Um, Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you want to make sure to uh, share with our listeners? Yeah, I would like to... um I think point out something that I had that, that's kind of near and dear to me only since that I, I've just seen it happen so many times to to so many well-intentioned people. And it's that it's, you know, Nicole was talking about, uh, you know, an example of a, maybe a French family that comes over to the United States. And we see that uh, quite often, actually, where let's use the, the stereotypical example where the, the man might get a nice career opportunity to come over and work for a French subsidiary here in the U.S. And so he winds up over here with the family. And then his wife feels very, uh, very estranged. She, she feels isolated. Um, she doesn't have her friends here. She doesn't have any sort of, of support network. Perhaps she doesn't speak the language well. And everything is different, including even the food. You know, she can't find her, her favorite, her favorite uh, uh, bakery or boulangerie or what have you. And so when the marriage maybe experiences some challenges, it begins to break down because uh, she feels isolated. Um, Then one of the problems that she has to face is, well, if a divorce action is initiated, uh, she might might want to return to to France with the children. However, it's very unlikely, not impossible, but very unlikely that she's going to be allowed to return to France. And so she's going to be stuck here, if you'll allow me to use that term, uh, perhaps in an undesirable you know, city or town or what have you, until the, her youngest child is 18, unless she wants to leave them. And it creates such a problem, because people don't realize that you know, if the children are young, that's a long time to live in a place without friends or family when you really want to be someplace else. And it's such a serious thing. I often I've given a number of different talks about the importance of this. And as Nicole was saying earlier, you need to think ahead and plan ahead 
before you ever find yourself in this situation. Yeah, that's just heartbreaking. And I think other than other than that planning ahead, uh, it sounds like even the most creative solution is going to be challenging for some people. Well, sure. And, you know, the uh, the typical emotions of divorce are involved. You know, like you said, sometimes you're not thinking rationally. Sometimes people will do things, you know, just because they're mad or angry. So when you have two people, you know, one person living in the United States that doesn't want to be here, you know, the other person sometimes will, will do what they can to make them stay and, and will not be reasonable and will not be flexible. So, you know, you can, as you see, you can have all the talks in the world before you get married, but when the time comes for the divorce to happen and things go south, you know, that's a whole other ballgame. Things can change, but, you know, it's just, again, having the education and the knowledge and, and the team behind you, at least, who can help you through this and, and try to come up with a creative solution and, and get you to a place where you're not miserable is, is so important. And, you know, that's the, probably the number one thing is, you know, if you're getting to this place in your relationship and you're thinking the, that your relationship is heading into a bad place, start looking for your team. Yeah. So, you know, I just want to thank you guys. I'm taking so many notes here. So I'm just going to summarize a couple of the key talking points uh, that that we're talking about getting educated, not when the marriage is falling apart, just like right from the beginning. Do this research, have these conversations with your spouse um, and then do be educated about about the different jurisdictions. We're talking about creating a team, a team that includes an attorney who really understands um, the cultural issues that you're dealing with and understands international divorce, uh, financial planner, having uh, someone like a coach or a therapist who's helping you with the emotions and having uh, the ability to connect with uh, an attorney in the other country so that you can really get sound advice on both sides. We're talking about timing being so important and jurisdiction being so important and those two being very much interweaved and that sometimes you do have to make make a decision to act fast in order to protect uh, yourself from from more complications down the road. Learning about the Hague countries and what that means and and if your situation falls within that. Um, Going to the consulate and and using them to to get advice. We gave you a number of great questions and talking points for any attorney that you're interviewing. And then I think the one flavor and spirit that I heard throughout this entire show is to have a spirit of um, compromise and to be open to creative solutions. Yeah, I think that's that's very important. The creative solutions and being open to trying to work out what's in the best interest of your family is so important. Excellent. Well, this has been such a great education Nicole and Brian, how can our listeners reach out to you if they'd like to find out about your services? Well, we're located in Chicago, Illinois. We do have a website that you can reach us on and email us. Our website is recent, R-E-C-E-N-T dash law, L-A-W dot com. And you can fill out an uh, information uh, request there or you can call us. Our phone number is 312 551 one five five two 
And if you're calling from another country, feel free to, you know, shoot us an email as well. And we can, we're willing to work out a time, you know, time, time zones are different everywhere. And some you just have to be, uh, we're able to set up times for calls that, you know, work out well with other time zones. Excellent. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women throughout one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.